everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something not through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. It's another day in paradise. This is Debbie Montgomery coming to you from sunny South Florida, and it is hot, hot, hot down here. Uh, I think today we're going into the 90s with the humidity going up, and then a cold front comes in, and we're back down to the step. Well, back down to the 80s, I think. But it's pretty, and my flowers are happy because we're getting a little bit of rain. And it's May, so we're within 30 days, less than 30 days to hurricane season, which is why we're having this show today. Uh, but before then, I want to say yesterday I got cracked up when it was uh, May the 4th be with you. <laughs> and today is Cinco de Mayo. And Monday or a Sunday is Mother's Day. And I know my mom will be watching this show. So happy Mother's Day, Mother. Happy Mother's Day to my daughter and to all those women out there that have birthed babies, that have nurtured babies, that have aunted babies, everybody. It's a great, it's a great day. And we're really glad that you're here today. This is a new format for me. And I'm really excited because I have my dear friend who I know and I've met in person, and she's been my roommate in Sandy. Well, not San Diego. In India. Oh, yeah. All over the country and all over the world has been my roommate, literally a roommate when we've traveled. So my dear friend, Linda Fostek, thank you so much for being my guest today. I'm so happy to be here, Debbie. I mean, like, like, except you've got another day in paradise and I've got like the disasters going on behind me. Yeah, Linda comes to us from New York up on Long Island, and uh, I love her background because she's the crisis planner, but there's nothing about that picture that she could do anything to prevent. No, but But I can help you be prepared for when it does happen. There you go, and we're going to jump into that in a moment because, Linda, you know, I always like to go back in time Mm -hmm. to... Who are you and what was your background? Where did you come from? And I especially want to hear about your dad. Well, my, you know, if we want to go back that far, I mean, my father was an engineer. So typically engineers are problem solvers. And from the time I was a small child, my father never let me whine and complain about anything. I always had to present a solution to my problem when I had a problem. So I could tell them, this is my problem and this is how I think I could fix it. I wasn't always so good at coming up with the right answers, but then we would negotiate what would be the best way to fix my problem. But it, it gave me a way of approaching my life and, and about everything that happens in life that has served me very, very well. And he actually is the inspiration for the crisis planner, which is what I am now. I mean, and I've been through a lot of um, corporate jobs before this. Um, My last corporate job before um, I started the crisis planner, I was a pharmaceutical rep. So very much into science and understanding how things work. Again, it's like problem, solution. Um, And um, so, Basically, my father, when he was 70, which ironically is the same age I am now, which is kind of really scary, uh, he um, saw a lot of his friends losing a spouse. And the one that was left was thrown into total chaos. And 
So he thought through a solution. You know, the kids would swoop in from all over the country, pick up mom and dad or dad and move them someplace else. And, you know, six months later, the, the parent was going, this wasn't my plan. I, I liked my house. I wanted to stay where I was, but somehow nobody listened to them or they didn't even express what they wanted. And so he wrote an owner's manual for the house so that, you know, because most couples kind of have a division of labor. Maybe one does the outside, one does the inside. Everyone, you know, neither one knows what goes on. So he created this book that was a owner's manual for the house, but it was written like an engineer. It looked like something an engineer put together and he had no idea how to market it. And so it sat on a shelf for 23 years. And I was at an event with Kevin Harrington. He said something that just triggered me to think of the fact that as baby boomers, we needed to be better prepared for life unexpected. And I saw my father's project as something that I could bring forward and up, update and write in language that people would actually understand and be able to utilize. And there the crisis planner was born. And that's, you know, that's what I've been really focused on. And it's all about being prepared before things happen. Uh, quite honestly, most of us, you know, when, we, when we're faced with a crisis that you're not prepared for, we typically have fewer options and we tend to make bad decisions. If you think about the movie, The Poseidon Adventure, you know, and, and the minister is leading them in the wrong direction to try to rescue them because he's leading them to what was the top of the ship, which is now underwater. You know, so you, in a panic, people do ridiculous things. So, so here's a question though, Linda. First off, did your dad follow his own ideas? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, that's good. And when you're working with people now, I find that folks are afraid to talk about, maybe not hurricanes, but end of life things. So how, let, let's go into the end of life to start that off. How do you start the conversation and who do you start it with? Well, you know, the thing is having those conversations should be part of the relationship that you have with your loved one. Be and it's before anything is really eminently happening. You know, it's like, well, what would you want if you were hospitalized and you couldn't tell the doctor what you wanted? Uh, you know, do you have the documents in place that you need? I mean, even as a parent, when a child turns 18, it's essential that you have certain legal documents in place for them, including power of attorney, um, their living will, and their healthcare proxy. Because once they are 18, even as their parent, you would have no ability to input any health decisions should they be unconscious after a car accident or something happens with a, a drug thing and they can't tell the doctors what they want. So as a parent, you would have no jurisdiction to do that without those documents. So those kind of things should be in place even from the time that you're, you know, you come of age. And a lot of people aren't even aware of it and don't realize how important it is but I can remember my husband calling the hospital in Florida from Long Island when his mother would be in the hospital and the hospital wouldn't even tell him that she was in the hospital or any information because he wasn't one of the people on the HIPAA document. <laughs> you know, it's like, cause they didn't understand that they had to delegate their children on the HIPAA document to get that information. It's, so, interesting. it's interesting you bring that up because uh, at the first time I've heard you say this, I went and did the paperwork for my youngest son and it's sitting in the safe. It's just right. there because he's, well, he's 28 now, but he's single. Okay. Right. So your married kids, maybe not so as long as they no. have a spouse, but they're your single kids, which many of our kids are. The other thing is during COVID, my sister-in-law's mom ended up in the hospital and they found out that they weren't all on the documents. And so it's, it's very distressing because here you're under the pressure of the, they're in the hospital. You want to find out what's going on and they're not telling you. 
it's better to have the uncomfortable discussion prior to right have that uncomfortable discussion with the doctors who can do nothing for you well and then the other thing is once those documents are in place the family members don't have to make the decisions that the patient themselves the person themselves has already told in the document what they are willing to do. Do they want to be intubated? Do they want a feeding tube? Do they want to be resuscitated? Do they want all these things? And you can be as specific as you want. And that takes all the pressure off the children. It can eliminate a lot of the, um, the anger that happens, you know, well, you killed mom, you know, and then the two kids never speak to each other again because, you know, one child made a decision to turn off the life support or something. You know, I mean, this way, um, it's not in the hands of the people that are left. The decision is made by the person who's, who's going through the trauma. And, you know, and the same thing, you know, holds through with, with no matter what the disaster. And that's what's so beautiful about disaster preparation is the same preparation that you need for illness or death is the same preparation you would need for wildfires, for hurricanes, for any kind of disaster. It's really about pulling all of your paperwork together. And that's what my primary focus is, is to have everything in one place organized in such a way that you're not sending your family on a scavenger hunt without a list, which happens so often. And if people don't know what to look for or where to look for it, you know, if you put it all together in one place, and that's where this, the home system that I've put together is, is so good because it's a grab and go box. So every, every, every document is in there, it's organized. If you do have to evacuate, say for a hurricane, you can just grab the box and know you have all your papers for your house. You have all your insurance papers. You have all your medical papers. You have all, you know, everything that you need is in one place and your legal documents, everything is together and you're not scrambling or you don't want to end up at a, you know, <laughs> at a shelter with your cell, you know, cell phone charger and a teddy. I mean, because you didn't plan. So, you know, I have all kinds of, you know, I've written a number of books and I have checklists and all kinds of things on how to put together the, your go bag, how to put together your document box so that everything goes as smoothly as possible. Because in the circumstance that you are evacuating, you know, it's a little bit of a, a panic, you know? And I think it's exacerbated by, you know, people saying, well, I can't leave my animals. Well, you know, fortunately now, a lot of shelters will take animals. A lot of hotels take animals. Um, and we get enough warning before a hurricane. That's the beauty of it. They, they really have gotten so much better at predicting where these hurricanes are gonna hit that, you know, they, the, the cone of uncertainty keeps getting smaller and smaller. In fact, I just did a hurricane preparedness class with CERT last week. Now you think Long Island, okay, we've had a couple of really bad hurricanes over the last 50 years, I'm, a couple. They're not like Florida, where you could get a couple in one year. <laughs> and Florida has so much coastline and you have you know so many different areas that can be affected. So. For us, you know, it was like we were relating to it because Sandy really hit us hard. And Sandy wasn't even a hurricane when it hit New York, which was really interesting because the hurricane deductible did not come into play because oh. it wasn't hurricane force winds anywhere in the state of New York. So from a uh, insurance perspective, the insurance companies were very upset because it was a hurricane in New Jersey, but it wasn't in New York. So, oh. and wind deductible is typically less than a hurricane deductible. I just got yeah. my insurance is $7,500 for hurricane, but a thousand for wind. 
Exactly. Uh, but what's important, and it's funny because I, I, years ago I got, when you came out with this, I think I might have been one of the f- first people to buy them. I got them for my daughter and for my parents. Uh, I have my own, I call it the ice box. And my mom's yep. like, refrigerator? I said, no, <laughs> it's an ice, ice box. In case of emergency. In case of emergency. And it was interesting though, the most important part of your home system is doing it is taking the action because when my father ended up in the hospital uh, a couple of years ago, I knew I had the ice box. I knew I had the emergency box. And when I went to it, I found five unsigned drafts of wills and this and that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, we talked about this. I know that there's a, a signed one somewhere and I couldn't find it. And for me, it was so frustrating because I had tried to be prepared. And you would bet as soon as he, because we were closed on a house too that week. I'm like, where's the power of attorney? Where is this and where's that? Uh, as soon as he got out of the hospital, we were in the attorney's office. We had everything drafted new and he has a copy. I have a copy. It's there. And now we don't have to talk about it. But oh my gosh, the anxiety of, and, and frankly, a little bit of anger because I was like, I know it's here. And then I have my brothers calling in saying, you know, are you doing this? Are you doing that? I'm like, whoa, just slow down, everybody pause and take a breath and we'll work this out. But in the meantime, get your paperwork done and put it in that box or put it in your, we used to put it in our refrigerator because the freezer was, was fireproof, you know? Yeah. So what, how did you come up with this plan? Linda? I know it was partly your dad's. Right. But Um, have have you any, have you had any personal things happen that oh yeah I mean even during the pandemic I mean like we shut down in New York on the 16th of March okay the 17th is St. Patty's Day now since my husband passed away I hadn't done a lot of cooking and I you know and now I'm all by myself and I I said okay so I I bought this world's smallest corned beef and a small head of cabbage and some potatoes. So I had three burners going on my stovetop and I cooked everything. And when I went to turn the, the gas burners off, one would not go off. Now I've had valves fail in the off position and you couldn't turn it on. This, the flame would not go off. Mm-hmm. I couldn't turn the gas off on the one burner. And I'm like, now, one of the things that's in the icebox is labels for your gas and water shutoffs. And I had gone around and labeled all the shutoffs in my basement. You know, so I went downstairs and I found the stovetop shutoff and I turned it off and the gas went off and everything was fine. So that was just one problem I had that, you know, I've had a, I had a water leak in my basement and I knew how to shut the water off. You know, it's like it helps you understand what to do when something goes wrong in your home. And I have, you know, there's water leak detectors, there's labels for your circuit breakers, there's these gas and water shut shut off tags. Um, There's, you know, a book for all your passwords and your logins in the computer, which I don't know. See this. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. I, this is like tattered. I use this more than anything in your box. Yep. I use it too every single day. Yeah. Because I don't, you know, okay, maybe I'm a little bit more leery, but I don't trust these password keepers. And if you have a problem with your computer and you and you have all the passwords on the computer, um, and you have to go use another computer someplace you don't have them written down that doesn't help you (laughs) you know um i did have a situation with a a a gentleman i worked with he was in his mid-30s his wife had passed away unexpectedly she was the one who handled all the bills and you know did everything paid everything online he didn't even have the password to the computer he couldn't even get into the computer and he was crying he, he was like, I don't even know what bills, to, I don't know what bank we use. I don't know anything because, you know, there was no communication. So, you know, basically in crisis planning, there's four basic steps. You know, first it's 
understanding you have to do it and it and it's beneficial it's going to save you a lot of angst and and problems when it comes time that you are going to use this information the second is to figure out what you already have in place because most of us have a lot more in place than we think and then fill in the blanks make sure that you have your legal documents updated you know, if you haven't done it in, in five or 10 years, it might be a good time to look at what you have in there because some of these people that you might've had things, give, giving things to may no longer be part of your family for any number of reasons. Um, the, the third thing is to organize everything in one place. And then the final thing is to communicate with your loved ones where to find it, and if there's certain documents such as a long-term care policy, which that was probably one of the saddest stories I also encountered was a, um, a family whose father had Alzheimer's. They spent all of his cash money um, for his home care, kept him home as long as they could, finally had to put him into a nursing home because he had deteriorated to that point sign the house over to Medicaid because now there's no more money to pay for the nursing home, which was $15,000 a month. Mm -hmm. New York is not cheap. <laughs> and he died about three months later. And that's when Medicaid makes you clean out the house. You have to sell the house after the person dies because they think there could be a miracle cure and the person doesn't, they don't want the person to be homeless. So they don't make you sell the house until the person actually dies which is an interesting point. Um, and so they're cleaning out the house and there they found it tucked in a bottom drawer, a long-term care policy that not only would have saved the house, it would have saved all the money they spent for the home care. Oh, wow. And so, that's, that's an important document to know uh, because typically there's a waiting period. Mm -hmm. you know, my folks are in really good shape for their ages and they have a long-term care that we've been paying for 50 years, uh, but to exercise it, it, you know, it's like 90 days or 120 days. It's so you got to know. And, and we had an attorney once who said, well, yeah, we can probably get some of those. They're not doing everything that they used to. So look into it, look into what the, what it actually says. I mean, I don't know that I've actually seen the whole policy. It's so old, um, but at least, you know, it's there, but uh, you've had so many experiences with people uh, in that particular case. And Again, it's, it's worse for us when we're in the middle of the crisis if we don't have the things in place because it's woulda, coulda, shoulda. Right. right. And the blame goes like this, you know? Why didn't you? Why didn't you? And, and it doesn't matter who didn't. It's the fact that you didn't. So how can people get look at your program? Where, where is it online that they can see it? They can go to thecrisisplanner.com, which that's very easy. Uh, www.thecrisisplanner.com and or lindafostek.com. Um, that'll the crisis planner gets directed to lindafostek.com, and you can see all the different books that I've written. I've written probably nine books on disaster planning, <laughs> and <coughs> the first one I wrote was this one, which couldn't uh, go on the shelves at Barnes and Noble, right? <laughs> well. It could go on the shelf, but when I did my book signing, they made me keep it under the table, which was really funny. Um, so, but the companion book to that, which is I think even more important, is this a now what book. Mm -hmm. And this book goes through 90, 93 different things that you should put in place. These are documents that you should find. And we've all just gone through the whole thing of our taxes. And you've gotten a lot of those updated documents for your investments and all those things. You should have those most recent documents, put them together and put them in your box. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to fill in all the blanks. You know, there's all kinds of forms. You fill in the blanks. This tells you, it also has a checklist of documents um, that you, you put together that will really help um, it tells you what to do before there's a disaster and then what to do when somebody passes away, the order to do it in. And then it also tells you, talks about the healing process after a disaster, after you lose a loved one. So this is kind of, I call this the life planner 
<laughs> and survivor's checklist because it, it's really simple. Um, the box is a little bit more involved um, and it's really for the homeowner. It's a great gift to give somebody who's a first time homeowner who doesn't know anything about owning a home or for someone who's recently divorced or widowed or anybody who really wants to help, you know, like if one spouse is the handy one and the wife doesn't know anything, they, there are certain things in that box that can really make it easy for the wife if something happens to her spouse. And, you know, if the whole idea is that we can control much, you know, it's about being part of the solution instead of part of the problem. And that is my whole premise for everything that I do. And we're coming into hurricane season. And, you know, I know people in Florida are, are just, they hear it all the time and they're gonna, the next month you're gonna hear it a lot about preparing now, putting your, your go bags together, putting your documents together, um, being prepared for the hurricane season. They're talking about it being a, a very active season again. Uh, they're, it's another La Nina year, which means it's a more active season in the Atlantic Basin. Um, they're talking about um, nine landfalling hurricanes and three to four of which could be major, you know, category four and five. So they are really expecting 19 named stormed during the year. So it's a pretty active season. And, you know, we're all watching the Weather Channel. And there's a lot of resources that you can tap into on, to understand the terminology because, you know, they have outlooks. What's an outlook? Okay, they have an outlook for a hurricane. That's five days out from when they anticipate a hurricane to hit. Then you have a watch. The watch is 36 hours in advance and the warning that says it's imminent is 24 hours in advance. Well, by the time you get to the um, a watch, you could actually already be experiencing some tropical force winds, at which point all of your exterior things should be put away because you're not going to be boarding up when the winds are, you know, 45, 50 miles an hour because those boards are going to be flying all over the place. You're not going to be able to control them. So it's important when they start talking about an outlook and they start putting that cone of uncertainty out there and you look like, oh, I'm in the cone, uh, it might be a good idea to start thinking about planning. And it's not too early to make a hotel reservation because you don't wanna end up in a shelter. And, you know, and what does it cost you if you evacuate and you go to a hotel that's in a safer place or higher ground and you spend a day there, you're able to take your animals with you and, you feel secure and safe. You're not sitting in traffic for hours and hours as you're trying to get on the evacuation route. You know, the thing that scares me is, you know, this whole move to electric vehicles now. Oh, I mean, yeah. they had that horrible snowstorm in um, Virginia and everybody who had an electric vehicle ran out of juice and was literally freezing on the highway uh, because they had no, and, and those cars were stranded and they were causing big problems. So I'm not so sure that you know, like if you're in an area that needs evacuations like that, I'm being a little nervous about an electric vehicle. Yeah. And, you know, living down in Florida, too, I mean, I, I don't evacuate. Uh, there are certain areas that need to if east of I-95, uh, but it's just the whole preparedness part. It's to make sure that you've got your food and your water and all that, because for me, knowledge is power. And honest to goodness, I don't want to be on the road with the crazies that are trying to get up to Orlando. I had a girlfriend who's very interesting a few years ago. She's by, she was by herself and she has a 90 something year old aunt in Orlando. So she drove from here to Orlando to pick up her aunt. And then they went up to Tennessee, let's say. Well, she was on the road freaking out with her aunt and her, and her cats or dogs or whoever. And the hurricane followed her right up to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here at the house going, we didn't even have the wind blow. So it's be smart. Just be smart, yes. be, be aware, smart. be aware. And it's not just hurricanes. Like you guys have snowstorms a lot worse than our hurricanes sometimes. And this mm -hmm. whole system is based on have everything together because if you're prepared, you're not scared. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and one of the other things that they talked about in this hurricane preparedness class I just took was that not over 90% of the deaths occur from water. 50% are from storm surge. So when they start talking storm surge and you're in an area that is subject to storm surge, believe that this can happen. In fact, when the, the hurricane hit Mexico Beach, um, I guess that was like three years ago now or four years now. I can't even. Time flies. It was before the pandemic. Um, but uh, my girlfriend's aunt who had lived in Mexico Beach for 60 years, she was in her 80s. She never evacuated before. They told her that they mandate, you know, mandatory evacuation. And they found her in the debris of her house three weeks after the storm. Mm. You know, very sad. And, you know, but storm surge was like 50% of the deaths were storm surge. And then then you have the crazy surfers that go out there because the waves are big. Yeah. Uh, drowning was the next big category. And then the, sec the third big category was inland flooding from rain and the rivers, you know, and you saw what happened to Vermont um, when uh, Irene hit Vermont. And I mean, all the flooding that went on upstate and, and in the, the Vermont area. So inland flooding is another huge source of death in hurricanes. And then the next category was from the generators, carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, people don't, you know, don't heed the warnings. They run the generator inside the house or in the garage or under a bedroom or, you know, or, or close to a window that's open and the, the, the carbon monoxide gets sucked into the house. You know, they're, safety features they give you all these safety instructions with your with your generator heed them because too many people die from that and really a very small percentage of people die from the wind you know from trees falling on them and things like that very small percentage right you might hear about them because it's so unusual but but that's true that's not what's going to do it but it, it is just the fact that you have things together uh, and you do a walk around. My next door neighbor, uh, you know, was recently separated and bought a home. And uh, she called me up just frantic one day. Deb, Deb, the water's just, you know, blowing out onto my patio. I don't know how to turn it off. Well, her house is very similar to mine. And I knew exactly where the water turnoff was for the house. And so I showed her. I said, but this is what, like you said, someone, especially now that's getting a new home, a young couple buying a new home, an older couple moving into a newer home. Do that walk around, find out where all those turnoffs, you know, valves are, find out where the water heater is or, you know, the, whatever you've got. Uh, because once you know that, I mean, trying to find it in the panic is just panic. And you're not thinking and you're not, you, you might be looking right at it, but your brain's not computing. That that's what I need to, to turn. Right. So, this is all about being prepared. And, uh, and you went through that too. I mean, when, when your husband got sick a couple of years ago, I mean, my husband died suddenly. There was, there was no preparing for Lou, but I had all the paperwork in advance. I knew what he wanted. I knew about the VA. I had all his VA papers ready. I knew how, who to call. I knew that, you know, the stuff at the church and, and it was not a seamless thing. I had friends who had recently lost family members. And so they were able to direct me to a funeral home to do the preparation. I didn't have that in place. And I'm glad that they were there because that in itself is overwhelming and the cost. Oh my goodness. And, and you feel so guilty that they guilt you into spending money that you don't have to spend, you right. know, and, you know, and especially if there's multiple family members involved, one wants to, you know, oh, well, we have to get this or we have to do that or we have, you know, and it's like, next thing you know, you've got this huge bill and you're like, oh my God, how are we going to pay for that? Exactly. You know? Exactly. And Deborah Morrison would say, you know, have a little insurance policy for funeral expenses or prepay your funeral or, you know, don't get a hundred thousand dollar casket. It's going in the ground, but you know, if you can pay for it, 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 it's choice. And that's the thing. It's choice. It's being prepared. And I, I knew when Lou died that he would just be rolling over if I spent a lot of money. And I'm again, except for the scam, 
I'm that damn Yankee that is very frugal and very careful. Um, yes, you are. And so I, I did what I could to make it nice, but it just wasn't over the top because I was paying the bills. And here's the other thing is that if you don't have access to the accounts, unless you're going to pay for it, you don't know what, what your family has or your parents or whoever. You know, you talk to any banker and they will tell you that every week they get two to three people in the bank crying that how I can't access my mother's account. How am I going to bury her? How am I going to pay for the funeral? And they're crying because they don't have the money for them, you know, to spend themselves. And the money is in the mother's account, but they're not a co-signatory on the account. Therefore, they can't access the account. And you have and to you have to wait. You have to wait. And your power of attorney, if you, even if that's on file at the bank, it dies with the person. Right. So now you're waiting on a death certificate, which depending on the state of their funeral director could take some time. Right. And even yeah. that doesn't open the account to you because it, it has to be then probated if, it's, if you don't have a will or a trust. If you but, are the beneficiary on the account, it does. So right. check there's another thing. Check to see how accounts are titled. You have mm -hmm. to have a POD or ATF. We used to call them ATF. Uh, I can't remember. Whatever. It's the beneficiary format. And yeah, it, Morrison, it's like this is the person that ha gets access after my death. Deborah Morrison talks about that all the time. Exactly. Look at your stuff. And it was interesting. Um, our attorney took it one step further. Because I was in there with my mom and dad, and I'm on my mom and dad's account. So she goes, okay, Deb, so what happens if you all go together? Then what? And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I hadn't gone that next yeah. step. I figured I had it covered by us being joint, but we travel a lot together. So I ended up making one of my brothers the beneficiary in case all three of us. Something goes, again, just prepare, think ahead, and it's that there's... That's what I love about your stuff, because it bring, your book will bring up points that we may not have thought about, even if we're preparedness people, you know? And that's just it. It's the thing that you didn't do. That's the thing that bites you in the butt. <laughs> that's right. And it's the thing that might cost you a lot of money mm -hmm. in the end. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm a huge advocate of people, especially widows and divorcees to have a home warranty, uh, which covers all your appliances and all the systems in your home so that when something goes wrong with your refrigerator or your air central air conditioning or your heating plant, you have one number to call and it's a, a, a simple, you pay a minimum payment and they will repair or replace it. And I mean, I have a 28-year-old air central air conditioning system. And if it goes, they will replace it. So to me, it's worth the money that I'm spending on the warranty. And I, I tell anyone getting a divorce that they should have that put into their divorce decree <laughs> that it gets part of their if settlement that their, their home warranty is taken care of because they're not going to be able to do these things themselves. Right, right. So again, it's just, it's thinking ahead. It's being prepared. It's being that, that person that is prepared. And I, I'm like, I'm looking at the system and there are things that I didn't use and things that I gave away, but you better believe my circuit box is all labeled. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and got, I mean, there's the, the, even the, the keys that I put in there, the key check, you know, the little key holders yeah. that you label the keys. I, I had a situation where a gentleman had never married, had no children. He lived in his house by himself. He went in and out of his garage with his garage door opener. And that's how we got into his house. Never used the front door, never any of that. Has a heart attack, calls the EMS. They come, they take him out of the house, close the door, it locks behind him. And it. nobody has a key to the house. Nobody can get in the house because the car is in the garage and they have no way to open the garage door. So, you know, just having a set of keys in the box can be helpful, especially labeled. Because or many, if you're close with your neighbors, put your key on that, label your name on it and give it to a neighbor. We do that. Right. Or have a keypad outside your garage, which I have, but 
And that works on the battery because a lot of stuff doesn't work if you lose power. There you go. Getting lot, you know, your garage door is not going to open if you have no power. You need to know how to pull down the thing. See, you learn this when you're on your own for a while. Um, but yes. how do you open the door? It's very, very heavy if there's no, you know, motor moving it up and down, but you can get in and out of the house. Yeah. There, there's so much, Lyndon. For me, it's fun when I, and I, and I get on these rolls where I'll, you know, get prepared, get prepared, and then I'll forget about it, which is fine. Um, but every time you update an account or you close an account, make sure that you annotate that. Because I'm always thinking ahead, what if something were to happen to me? Because Lou died suddenly. If I were to die suddenly, how could CJ or the kids know what I, where our bank accounts are and all that? I have a three ring binder. I call it my answer book, the answers. And they go there. Everything I have, a, not the original documents. I have a copy of the front of the, the summary page of insurance or whatever. And then a listing of the banks and you know the account numbers, so they know at least where to look. And exactly. And I mean, like for those of us that are in our own businesses, and you know, when you have a computer, you have all of these services that you have on a on an auto bill, right? You know, whether it's a Zoom account or your Adobe account or you know all these different things, you have to have that listed because how does people know to turn things off if something happens to you? I hadn't thought about that. There's my aha for today. There you go. You yeah. know, it, unless it comes up on your bank account, they're like, well, what was that? But it could be a year from now. Exactly. You know, I just got a new credit card and it's got a new expiration date. So now I have to go through the statement and find out what things are billed on a, a monthly basis. Okay. And then as other things come up that are quarterly or annually, you know, they'll say, oh, the credit card's expired. And then, you know, but some of them, I know what they are. So I'm going to go in there and put the new credit card expiration date in. But it's like, you know, there's so many little pieces now, you know, with all the electronic stuff that we have, um, there's so many things you have to kind of have a record of. And keeping that record updated, as, as you said, Debbie, is very important. I had you this know. happen yesterday. I had to get a hold of, I, I couldn't get online to Bank United. I, I rarely use that account. It's a, a business thing. And I had to get in. Well, I couldn't. So I had to call them. The process for getting through, for the woman to um, unlock my account, I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, you know, Mother's maiden name, birth date, uh, password, uh, account number. If you look at your account statement, it gives the last four numbers. They want the whole number. I in my folders, I'm not, I'm online, but I've got my folders. I write down the account number. I write down the password. I write down, you know, all the questions with the answers. Because heaven forbid, my kids have to get into this stuff. They'd be going there. I have no idea how to get into mom's stuff. They do in my house because I write it all down. But most people, my dad, bless his heart, I know he's watching this show. He takes the, you know, the yellow, the yellow pads of paper with the stripes, the eight and a half by 11 and the hard cardboard on the back. Yeah, the legal my dad, pads. My dad writes all the passwords on, on five of those cardboard sheets. And I was over there the other day and my brain was exploding. I'm like, dad, which ones are the real ones? Which one get me into this account? Which ones get me... I don't know. He just changes them. And, you know, I was like, okay, I gave him your book, the password book. And I said, sit down. You're going to have to take a week to do this, but let's sit down together and go online to those accounts and try putting in the passwords and see which one opens it up. Hopefully we won't get locked out. And then we're <laughs> going to write it down in the book because those five cardboard sheets, and I hear them laughing at me right now. <laughs> they're just ridiculous you know my brothers would not know what to do when they looked at that I do because I know what he does but we all have our own systems but that system and then crossing it out and putting new ones beside it I was like ah I just exploded I said pop this isn't going to work and he, he listens he does listen um but it's the it's the action part that's so important on this and you said number and one. You can do just a little at a do time. You, you know, you don't have to do it all at one time. That, you know, you just make a commitment to do this and 
it will give you so much peace of mind. And as I, I say, it gets you off the worry go round because so many people are worrying about the what ifs or what if this happens, what if this, and then they don't do anything to prepare for it. Then, you know, they're spending a lot of energy worrying about things that you could set it and forget it, you know, put it in place and not worry about it anymore. Well, and I do want to move on to a little bit about that because I think I find you an extraordinary woman who has gotten fearless in her old age. Oh, yeah. Older age, not old age. But before we do that, it's the crisisplanner.com, lindafostek.com. Go and look for the crisis planner home system. It'll save you a lot of time of panic and worry. And I love that. Get off the worry around. I love that. Um, but Linda, because you've done this and you can get off the worry go around and spend some time on your own. You've done some extraordinary travel and fun, but we're going to go back for a few minutes to where you and I went to San Diego to change makers or awakening giants. And that was I want, fabulous. <laughs> I want you to tell us why you did it and how you got so over your fear of certain things, especially the confidence course. Tell us a little bit about that experience for you. Well, you know, my husband had passed away on May 31st and Trish Carr, who is one of the founders of Women's Prosperity Network was my business coach. And she started talking about this Awakening Giants experience and I knew that I wanted to move forward with my life. I wasn't going to be one of these widows that shriveled up and kind of did nothing and felt sorry for myself because I had a much bigger vision for what my life was going to be. I was already involved with the crisis planner, you know, and I really felt that this was something that was going to be important, but I needed for my healing and for my confidence and for just this opportunity. And the thing that attracted me most to it was one of, the, one of the activities we were going to do is we were going to go to Wolf Connection where um, we were going to be able to really be with wolves and spend the night in their compound. And, and I was fascinated by that whole hierarchy of the wolf pack and it just learning about that and, and being close to these incredible animals. Um, so that really attracted me. And then there was the confidence course, which was this obstacle course that, um, you know, at the time I was like physically fit with a pH, pH, I, you know, <laughs> fit, you know, not fit at all. Um, but it was, it the whole experience was a challenge to me in a physical way, emotional way, spiritual way. And it challenged me to move forward with my life. It was a cleansing process. It allowed me to heal. I mean, there was um, a lot of meditation. We, we actually had a dinner with um, the author of The Four Agreements. Uh, he, Don Miguel Ruiz, who is like, if you just feel his aura when he walks in the room, it was like, there was this peace and calming to him. When he looked at you, he, it was like he looked into your very soul. You know, these are some of the things that happened. And I mean, we did this, in, you know, this, um, incredible race through San Diego, which was a fundraiser for the Wolf Connection. And then we all did speaking. And it was a, a very healing and cleansing time. And I, I'm so grateful that I did it because it really did launch me into having the confidence to go forward with my life in a very, very positive way. Because after your gentle giant passed, you could have just sat under a rock. You could have hidden and, and isolated. And I know you were pretty, pretty busy in your community prior to, but that was a difficult time for you. And again, you were by yourself, you had your, your golden retrievers. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it put this definitely put you and me out of our comfort zones. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, for me, it was really the first time I had really invested in myself. I, you know, put a little bit of money out and I, I lost a lot of money in the scam. And, and then of course Lou died prior to that. And I could have just said, no, but there's something inside of me. And I think we all feel it. It's that inner urge to, you know, that there's something more in your life that needs to be done. And when you made that, when you climbed that pole and it was just a straight pole, like a <laughs> telephone pole, like a telephone pole. And then you stood on top of it with nothing to support you. There was nothing. I guess you did have a line on. I you. had a line attached to my back. Yeah, but really, but that wasn't supporting you. That was no, no, just no. there in case you fell off. Right. And then you took this flying leap at this trapeze that looked like there was no possible way that you could ever reach it. And you caught it. I mean, everybody who was watching you was absolutely in awe. And I'm sure you've shared how that felt, but share how that felt to you Uh, when you actually caught that trapeze and you're just- That was my, I call that my Tinkerbell moment. That was one of the most exciting minutes in my life because I just shut my eyes and I said, don't look down, just jump. And I jumped in when I caught it and I opened my eyes. All I could do is make my legs just fly. I mean, I, they were flapping back and forth and I could hear everybody just screaming down below me. I, I don't know what it looked like from there, but I, I've seen a drone picture of it. Um, but it was, for me, that was the moment when I said that If I can do that, I can do anything I put my mind to. Mm -hmm. It was, I can still feel it. You know, every time I talk about it, every time I see the picture of it, it was that for me, that defining moment that don't let anybody else have the power over you because you can stand up and speak up and make a difference for yourself and make a difference for one other person out there, but hopefully a lot of other people but at least mm-hmm. one other, you know, and I've been going through this recently. I've, uh, I've, you and I are in the news quite often. And recently I was in the news again for an article that I wrote and the, the nasty comments that are coming about, you know, victims of relationship scams. I'm looking at this going, so when did we make these other people perfect? You know, since when are people so perfect that they can bash other people with anonymity and part of me gets uh, gets a little bit perturbed and upset and i'm like let it go release it doesn't matter what they say mm-hmm. you know there's hurt people hurt people and as gail dixon said when she and i were talking she goes words have two things they can do they can heal or they can hurt don't put yourself around hurtful people is that your puppy dog uh, yeah, I don't know what he's barking at. <laughs> uh, it's important because if we listen and there's such uncivil, there's so many uncivil people in the world today. It just seems like we're so divisive over everything. And I'm like, you know what? It's not fair that people are putting others down like that because they might think that, oh, that was stupid. I wouldn't have done it. Well, I hope you don't ever get into the situation that I was in or you have been in. But it happens and it happens to really good people. And for someone to just spout out, that was stupid, you're an idiot. And I mean, I got, I got an email that was in capital letters, not signed, just nasty. And I looked at it and I'm, I, I sent it to the reporter and I said, nice set of viewers you have. He said, don't pay attention because your mission, your statements, your whatever you're doing out there is so important that it doesn't matter that that person said that because it, it won't affect them. But what I do find is what they say draws in other people saying, oh yeah, that was stupid, that was stupid. So now you've got this awful stuff with other stuff compiled on top. And I finally get to the point where I'm like, delete, delete. I don't well, And that goes to the first two agreements from the four agreements from Don Miguel Ruiz, which is be impeccable with your words and don't take anything personally. And that's very difficult. And, and that of- is the hardest agreement for any of us to, to live by because words do hurt. And, you know, you, you can't 
control what other people say. No. You can only control how you feel. And choose to be surrounded by positive people that support you and encourage you. And let the rest go. I mean, you got to find joy for you. Exactly. And if that, you know, th that person, I, I almost, I, I feel bad for them that they can't find some sort of joy in their life, that their joy, joy is to, to make others feel bad. Um, I, I am trying to always put myself around positive people that have something bigger than them that they want to share with the world, because that's why we're here. We're not here to. And the scammers it work on a percentage. Yeah. They make a thousand They're making a lot of money. They, they come, they try to get you in your most vulnerable moment. And even people who are wary can get scammed. I mean, I had oh. a friend who recently, she was doing her banking on, on her computer and this alert came up and said that there you know, something was wrong and that she should call this number. She called the number and then they hacked into her bank account and she had, it was a nightmare. And she's like, I, I know better, but it came up while I was in the middle of, I was rushing to do these, pay these bills. And I, I thought it was from the bank and it wasn't. Exactly. So the caution there is take a pause and I never click on a link and you don't ever make phone calls. You know, if you've got a banking situation, if an email comes up, I've, I get them all the time. Look at the URL, check out who it is. If it's your bank, then call the bank. Not that number that you see on the phone. Right. The number that you have in your, in your password book or in your icebox or whatever, call them directly. Don't use those links because we don't, we're not, we've changed our language now. We're not calling them scammers. They're criminals. They are. Okay. And it's fraud. Because a scam just sounds like, eh, you know, you got taken. It's fraud. They're criminals and they need to be stopped. And the only way they'll be stopped is for us to stop clicking, to take a pause and to, you know, protect ourselves as best we can. Have a buddy. If you're at home alone and you don't understand your banking, get a trusted friend to come help you. You know, caution. And, you on know, a lot of times you'll get. Uh, things on credit cards, you know, yeah. they, they send you an email or a text message or something on a credit card and with a number. Always call the number on the back of the card. Never call the number that comes up on the message because you don't know where that number is coming from. We're getting and them for Netflix, for telephone companies, everything. This, like I said, these guys are professionally trained. They have a lot of money. And they know a lot better than we do how to get past certain things. And they're banking on us being busy, busy, busy and fast, fast, fast and reacting to what we see. So slow down and pause. Yes. Just pause. If it's a shiny object and it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Linda, our hour has flown by. Flown by. It's flown by. So the crisis planner... I actually have, did you have a website, thecrisisplannerhome.com? Um, I don't box. know if, I, I, yes, the, that takes you directly to the box. To the box, okay, because that's on okay. my box. But yes. thecrisisplanner.com, Linda Fostek, F-O-S-T-E-K.com. It's a fabulous program, a grab-and-go icebox in case of emergency box. You're fabulous, you're traveling all over the world, you're speaking up, you're wearing crazy hats, and you've just become comfortable being uncomfortable. And I love it because the smile on your face is priceless. Thank you. And thank you for having me today. This was a joy. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. So thanks, everybody. It's been another wonderful stand up and speak up. And remember, you can do anything. Find the power within to stand up and speak up. Appreciate you all. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, 
make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.